All right, what do we need most of all? What do you need most of all right now? Maybe what we think of when we think of what we need most of all right now is some patience. I know I've talked to people and I know I've experienced this myself. Nerves are getting a little bit frayed. Uh, we're, we're pa our patience is running a bit thin and maybe the thing that we need most of all right now is patience or maybe it's peace uh, or maybe it's faith to believe in the Lord in the midst of this. Perhaps, uh, perhaps what we need most of all right now is some strength to get through. I've told you before that my mother's favorite prayer for uh, or, or regarding her beloved son, I was her only son, was Lord, give me strength. Uh, whether it was sincere or not, I don't know. Or maybe the thing that we need most of all is love. Uh, now, of course, all of those are great things and they're gifts that God gives to us. But what we saw last week is that the thing we need most of all is we need God. We, we need the presence of God in our lives. We need Christ and his presence in our lives. And so while Jesus is indeed giving many things in this section of scripture, peace and joy and other great things, indeed the, 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 the greatest thing that he is giving to his followers is his closest companion. Jesus is giving to us his closest companion. That's how Sinclair Ferguson describes the Holy Spirit as the closest companion of our Lord Jesus. All of his life, all of Jesus' life, and we just confessed it, from the conception to the baptism to the temptation to all of his ministry, all of the life of Jesus has been done in and with the Spirit of God, not just with some nebulous force, but with his closest companion, the Spirit of God, to be sure, uh, from all eternity. We can say of uh, the Spirit of God and the eternal word, the Son of God, that they've been the closest of companions for all eternity, but now more immediately as it relates to this text and these promises, the Spirit of God has been Jesus' companion throughout his earthly life, throughout his earthly ministry. And he says to the disciples, I'm giving him to you. I'm sending him to you. And, and, and when you get the Spirit, when, when Jesus brings the Spirit, what is given to us is all of the benefits of the Spirit. All of the things that we think about being associated with the Spirit, the, the presence of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, all of these things are the benefits of the Spirit that come along with, in front of them, the Spirit himself. All of the blessings of being united to Christ are given to us as the Spirit is given to us, because the Spirit brings us to Christ. So all of the benefits of the Spirit, all of the blessings that belong to union with Christ, and all of the wonder of being the adopted children of God of being able to call God our Father. All of those things are given to us in the person of the Spirit that Jesus is giving to us. The, the Spirit ministers all of that to us as he ministers to us and manifests to us the presence of God among us. And so the Spirit connects everything together and connects us to Christ and all of those blessings. Uh, J.I. Packer calls the spirit the matchmaker the celestial marriage broker i love that the, the celestial marriage broker he is preparing us 
by purifying us. He's gifting us and clothing us and getting us ready. And he's introducing us and preparing us, the celestial marriage broker. Ferguson, Sinclair Ferguson, again, refers to the spirit in another place, saying he is the one, the spirit is the one who puts the finishing touches on things, whether it's creation or our redemption or our going to glory and, and joining the place that Jesus is preparing for us. The spirit of God is the one who, when everything is put to put into place, says, all right, now let's make that hum. Let's make that sing. Uh, in another place, Ferguson writes this, the spirit is the divine homemaker, unknown and unrecognized by the world. We saw that last week but affecting new life, new growth, nourishment, and change within the family circle. With the giving of the spirit, love explodes. And what happens is the father and son make their home with us. That's what we saw. These those are the verses right before the ones I just read for us. That's what's happening. The spirit is the homemaker saying, all right, we're all going to live here and we are going to abide together. And Jesus says to his disciples, that's who I'm sending to you. That's who I'm sending to you. And of course, it's not a what that is the greatest need for you. He's not a what, it's, it's who. Who do we need most of all? And the answer to that is we need the Spirit of God in our lives. And Jesus is giving exactly that. Now, describing what the Spirit does for us is, of course, an enormous task, and you can go all over scripture for that. But at least in the passages that are before us today, a particular theme is emphasized for us, and it is this, that the Spirit will instruct us in the truth, and the truth is the truth about Jesus and the truth that is Jesus. The Spirit of God will instruct us. And let's, let's break this down here then just for a moment. Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. We saw that in the passage last week and in two of the passages that I read for us this morning. The Spirit of truth, and he ascribes to him the action of teaching, he will teach you all things, of reminding, he says he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you, of guiding, guiding them, he will guide you into all truth, and of declaring, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So teaching, reminding, guiding, declaring. The Spirit of God is a conveyor of truth. The Spirit of God is a purveyor of the heavenly banquet of wisdom, and he brings us to, and he invites us to the table, and he says, eat of the wisdom of God. Now, as I say that, let's be careful uh, to understand truth correctly. Truth here is not just mere information or the answer to puzzling questions. Instead, the, the truth that we're talking about here is the Spirit of truth is electric truth. It's high voltage truth. It's, it's charged truth. It's transformative truth. It's essential truth. It's, it's vivified truth. The spirit is not some boring teacher that you have, you know, just giving out some information that is irrelevant to you. That's not who the spirit of God is. It's electric truth that he is giving. It impacts when it comes a long time ago in a garden far, far away. I think that's going to be my new way to refer to Eve. A serpent served up a lie, promising a life of wisdom that brought death. 
Got it? A serpent served up a lie, promising a life of wisdom that brought actually death. And now Jesus says, I'm giving to you the spirit of truth, and he will serve up truth, promising life and delivering on it. When the spirit comes, he will give to you life. So that's what the spirit does. He instructs, he teaches. But what's the substance then? What's the substance of what he teaches? That too is addressed in our passage. What is the substance of this life-giving, this vivified truth? Jesus answers, the spirit will teach all that I have said to you. He will bear witness about me. He will glorify me by taking what is mine and declaring it to you. The life-giving truth that the spirit of truth then conveys is that Jesus is the truth and the life. Or if you want to put it in the words earlier in the passage, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What is the central teaching of the spirit of God? The central teaching of the spirit of God is about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. So when you find yourself thinking about Jesus and perhaps the unbelievable wonder that you, that I, that we should be called the children of God, it's the Spirit who's at work. It's the Spirit who's doing that, who's prompting that. And when we are thinking of Christ and thinking of God the Father, the Spirit is absolutely delighted with that. He is self-effacing the Spirit of God. Jesus always pointed to his Father, right? He said, I'm seeking my Father's glory. And the Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. He is self-effacing. Now, I thought I had coined a really neat idea, term with self-effacing. Of course, that's never the case. I spent some time looking it up and wondering, did I actually think of that or not? And the answer is no, I didn't. I found it in J.I. Packer, who calls the Spirit self-effacing. And as he refers to the Spirit as self-effacing, Packer gives this analogy. He describes the spirit as kind of like standing behind us with a floodlight or as a floodlight. The spirit is behind us and the light is shining, being thrown over our shoulder. And as it's thrown over our shoulder, what it illuminates is Jesus, who is standing right in front of us, facing us. And then Packer continues and he writes this. The spirit's message to us is never, it's never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always. Look at him, see his glory, listen to him, hear his word, go to him, have life, get to know him, and experience his gifts of joy and peace. Now, to be sure, a floodlight, not a spotlight, but a floodlight, illuminates much, and the Spirit indeed will teach us all things, but it's, it's particularly what he teaches us is how all things come from Christ and flow to Christ and exist because of Christ and in Christ. And these passages also note that the Spirit of God will teach us what is to come. And that's not so much a reference to saying the Spirit of God is going to teach us new revelations or prophetic things about what's going to happen in the future. But what's going to come for these men who are listening to Jesus right now that hasn't come yet is the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. What is to come is that. The Spirit has to explain that great event to them. 
And here we've got to make something clear as we work our way in this passage this morning. These passages that we're reading have, in fact, primary application to the disciples, to the apostles. Remember, remember that as much as we think we might understand what Jesus is saying here, at this moment, they are super confused. <laughs> they, they are really, really unsure and bewildered about what Jesus is saying to them. We've seen it in all of the questions that they ask and the, the actions that they take and the conversations that they have. They don't know exactly what he's talking about. They're going to need the Spirit of God to help them to understand what is taking place here because the reality is you can't understand what Jesus is saying here without the cross. And you can't, and cross meaning death, resurrection, and ascension. And you can't understand the cross without the Spirit of God explaining to you the cross. You need those things to take place. And so what is being promised to these men is really the inspiration to understand and to record, to lay the foundation, the apostolic foundation on which all of the rest of the church will be built. They're going to come to understand Jesus in a way that at this very point, they don't fully understand him. And they will by the work of the Spirit, and they will write it down, and they will give it to us so that we have this word authored by inspired men, inspired by the Holy Spirit himself. So that, that's, that's the promise that belongs to them. For us, the promise of the Spirit is not the promise of inspiration, but it is similar, it is the promise of illumination. We still need our minds to be enlightened. The spirit of truth works to enlighten our minds in the knowledge of Christ. That's what he does. He takes this word and he ministers it to us so that we, so that we not just know more about Jesus, but so that we, through the preaching of the word, through the reading of the word, through the talking about the word together, so that we come to actually know Jesus. And that's what the Spirit wants to do. That's what we need most. That's what we want most. So Jesus calls him the helper, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And by way of analogy, the matchmaker, the celestial marriage broker the floodlight, the, the homemaker, the one who applies the finishing touches of redemption into our lives and continues to build us up. Jesus' closest companion, that one, is given to us that, that we might know, that we might know that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That nothing can separate us. That isolation, that the walls in which we are enclosed right now, that quarantine, that sickness, that death, that none of those things can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because the Spirit of God can't be constrained by them and ministers to us the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. And when you end a sermon called the Spirit of Truth, talking about the love of God the Father that is in Christ Jesus the Lord, the Spirit goes, that's what I like to hear. I like to hear my people talking about 
the Father and the Son. Let's pray. 